That was beautiful, Roland. And we did it. Oh, nice. We freaking did it. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. So we are here on another day to talk about our favorite game, Dwarf Fortress. Uh, we would like to thank Ralph for joining us last week, talking about Dwarf Fortress Storyteller. It was a great time, and uh, if anyone else would like to come on and chat with us for a little bit about their experiences with Dwarf Fortress... Talk about your favorite fortress stories. Give us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com, and we'll get that set up. So, guys, has the fortress playing been happening over the last couple of weeks for you? I know I have, and I've got a, some stuff to talk about. I have absolutely been playing it. Yeah, I, I've been pondering starting a series on how I get going how I start forts because I I'm kind of feeling fairly confident about this method now and that it is almost like as long as I don't do something stupid everything will work out so I was trying to put that to a test before I did something and so I've been finding the most inhospitable painful locations on which to embark so I've been doing things like Arctic Ocean and Ice Sheet and Glacier just to see what happens there and yeah i mean it you know unless i do something stupid um everything's kind of okay will this survive uh reanimating biomes uh you know i've tried sinister sinister's kind of like purple light though honestly i don't really have too much trouble like purple doesn't seem to reanimate or the sinister doesn't seem to reanimate for me i don't know maybe that's a characteristic of sinister i don't know but whatever it is that's been going pretty well, actually. So I, I may get closer to having a little thing that I put out at some point here shortly. So you talk about like videos or is it going to be like a blog post or? I was thinking about putting it out as a video. And, and really what I wanted to do was to focus on, you know, when you first embark in a place, it, first three things that you should do are, you know, one, two, three. And then, oh, and, and this, if you're, if you're embarking near a tower, you better get a wall up because you're going to get invaded within the first hour of the fort starting and then you know go from there yeah. the one thing I, I i i gotta say and maybe this would be something to talk about is i haven't really cracked how to deal with undead invasions in early forts like i can get the wall up and protect the fort but that means basically no migrants you're stopped you're no migrants no trade caravans because no one can come during the middle of a siege and the siege will never end so i'm kind of like hmm that one's a bit of a pickle but, you know, the fort will stay alive until the dwarves die, of course, you know, of old age or, or whatever. But, um, yeah. How, how do you guys deal with that? I think that sounds like a great idea. Would we be putting it on the DF Roundtable channel? We absolutely could do that. Cool. Yeah. That's been one of my big questions is, well, I don't know what the hell to do when they invade. I guess I could get some archers up there and make tons of crossbows for them to lob at the undead. So... That segues a little bit into what I had happened to me over the last couple of weeks. So I was working on my Jonathan's long-term world, and I created a I created a a embark, and I ended up being wiped out by an Etten because I thought that my trained up squads. I had two squads that were trained up. I thought that they were strong enough, 
And uh, they obviously were not, but then the fortress started falling very quickly. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about my next fortress. I started it up. I had my seven dwarves, but before I even got them unloaded completely from the from the cart, zombies showed up. I swear it was only yeah. I had only been p- playing for maybe you know three weeks of game time, and boom, here come the zombies. Yep. Uh, if you're near a tower, that seems to be a thing that happens. Ah. Uh, it's kind of a problem. I'm not. I I don't really know how to deal with it. To be honest with you, that's that's been that's been my thing. It's like I can build a wall and protect my fort, no problem there. But it's then the zombies don't leave. I mean, they just stay permanently. So I have no trade caravans because they won't come when there's a siege, and then no migrants because if there are migrants, they just get killed instantly by the undead. So I, yeah, like how does how do we do this? <laughs> how do you how do you make it out of this? Because otherwise. A little tricky. I guess I've got a few things up my sleeve that I was contemplating, but um, can't say I'm fresh and full of ideas. You have that happen, Roland? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I, I had my fair share of undead sieges. Actually, in the fortress that I'm playing right now, I had two of the most problematic things happen. So a, a undead siege and a massive uh, were monster attack in my tavern not cool not cool but when it came to the undead siege i was lucky as well as unlucky because the were attack had happened before the undead siege and i still had uh, several infected dwarves and i managed to get them outside of my fortress and then walled it up again so while i had drawbridges up so nobody could get into my fortress i had uh, some infected uh, soldiers outside that came back from uh, raiding while the undead were actually at my front door and uh, they managed to kill one or two necromancers before being slaughtered by the ridiculous amount of zombies. <laughs> but I noticed that the zombies stopped working because the necromancers seem to have some sort of leadership function. And before that, the zombies always stayed around the necromancers but after the necromancers died they just slowly dwindled off my map again and i was actually able to kill the last remaining 10 or so with my uh, fairly well-trained squads which i have one two three of so 30 really well-trained dwarves but if you don't have that then you have a problem because the undead itself is already a massive problem for your dwarves due to the strength and no fear and stuff (laughs) like that. But uh, sometimes you get undead sieges with soldiers that died, came back and still have their entire equipment. Oh, yes. Try that. (laughs) (laughs) It won't work. That's a fortress killer. And especially if it happens to you in the uh, like 
time where you're still unloading your wagon. You, you can't do anything against it. Even if you have a one of your starting seven as a dedicated soldier. No, they're done. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a single soldier is good and fine, but he can only do so much against, like, I don't know, like, ten zombies. And they're, and they're tough, too. That's what I found, because they will destroy you. So that's where I've been getting stuck. It's like, and I, what, I, what my plan was is, well, plan number one is build the wall and then build a ledge on the second floor of the wall and then have fortification so archers can fire down and shoot at the at the zombies down there, but that hasn't worked. I, I mean, I just haven't managed to get that working yet. All that's you know, off the table, though, point, if you only have a couple weeks of game time to, to, to prepare. Well, the first thing I do now when, I, when I'm anywhere near a tower is the very first thing I do is I either clear all the trees in the area and build a wall and build a carpenter's workshop so I can put a door. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm living in the, in the huge stones Krug smash world right now where i've i've weaned myself off of drawbridge and have just been going with front door because that dude doesn't ever use drawbridges on his on his main fort so i'm like well if the guy who's basically beat the game can manage to do it without drawbridges i think <laughs> i probably can too for my little crap fort so it's been that part's been working okay and um but still it's like so then the siege comes maybe a week in and you still haven't set up food or stills but at least you've got a wall so you're not insta dead then you've only got seven dwarves with which to do the rest of your stuff. And it's just, it's just, it's hard, you know, because <laughs> you can't get any migrants and um, the, the siege doesn't leave. So I'm going to keep trying my arrows thing and see if, you know, if I can train a series of super soldier archers that don't throw the crossbows um, <laughs> to <laughs> shoot them. That would be amazing. Uh, They're very chucky, those crossbows. So I don't really know what to to do about that uh, regarding the amount of dwarves you have while you can definitely play a fortress with maybe seven maybe ten dwarves it's a very very slow progress a very very slow fort and you can't actually build a well working breeding program in the sense that you make your own population from your dwarves without actually just using migrants. It works. Mm-hmm. It, it's just bad. Also, you only get like a few generations before it stops working due to too much incest. Oh. <laughs> Didn't think we'd get that word in so early in the series. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So something else that I ran into during this recent burst of of fortresses that i've been going through i was on a fortress that had no mountains so i started to channel out an area after they had started channeling out i i got a message that said you know channeling canceled inappropriate building no and then i went somewhere to another location on the same map and i tried to channel out and no matter where i tried to channel it said that it was an inappropriate building spot. Does either ah. of you know what that means? Have you ran into that before? Not really. I had sometimes where they uh, tell me that it's an inappropriate dig square, but I've building. Had that. And usually, uh, when it says dig square, you either have um, 
put up a square where they can't actually go to, or due to pathfinding issue, they try to uh, channel the the very brick they're standing on. But that sounds weird. It does. It sounds like a real tricky wicket. Sticky, tricky, icky wicket. I was trying the uh, the DF hack embark assistant, which is not quite the same as the built-in Dwarf Fortress. Uh, just hitting F to uh, to set some parameters when you're doing your uh, doing your embark lo- locate. Uh, so I was doing the DF hack one, and and I widened my parameters quite a bit, and went to a place that normally I wouldn't have gone to. So I don't know if this happens often. And just my default search routine for finding my embark location doesn't pick up places like this. It was on the edge of an ocean, so that may have had part of something to do with it, but it, uh, it did oh, yeah. not have it did not have aquifers. So yeah, uh, not sure. So I'll keep my eye out for that happening again. But looking back now, I wish that I would have just cut down a bunch of trees and started building a fortress on ground. And then just tried to uh, dig with uh, with just miners instead of channeling, just dig down to get stone. But uh, I didn't do that. I said, well, you know what? I think that I'll just uh, retire this location and pick a new one, which is what I ended That's up doing. That's the spirit. Sometimes yeah, you, know. you just got to cut it loose, you know? I need to stop doing that. That's one thing that I do way too often is I, I start something. And if things don't go right, I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to start another another fortress. So. I feel that I'm cheating myself out of out of learning experiences by doing that. You know what? I'm I'm in a similar way. What I've I think where things have gone wrong for me is um, I've tended to give up on a whole generated world. Sometimes I'll just be like, "Ah, to heck with this one," and I'll just generate a new world. Mm-hmm. So I haven't kind of seen it through. I kind of you know I I kind of do that, and I also play on different computers, I guess. So, but yeah, I'm I'm. I I agree. Sometimes I do give up too soon before the end, but sometimes, you know, like I had um, in one of my, I can live forever forts for this series. I'm talking about uh, a forgotten beast came because I forgot to, uh, I hadn't realized I'd asked the dwarves to build a wall to wall up one of the caverns. And I hadn't realized that they hadn't built it because there were some bones there or something. So they just refused to build the wall and I didn't notice. So the forgotten beast comes trucking through. And it had poisonous gas, which apparently put everyone to sleep. Um, and so they killed it, which is yay. But um, six of the seven were sleeping. And the seventh managed to get the sleeping people back to the hospital. So there's just a one bed. And then five dwarves in the corner sleeping. And I was like, well, they'll wake up eventually. And a year goes by and it's just one dude <laughs> still. And everyone else is asleep. So that was a surprise. I didn't realize that was a thing that could happen. So that was fun. The permanent sleep. Oh, I don't think it's... It, it can't be permanent. You know, it, 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 there is no way this... This is like permanent... Uh, what's it called? Like the, the sleeping beauty thing? Yeah, uh, that's what I was No wondering. way. No way. Uh, I, I just think that the, the uh, time interval is put up to the complete max and your dwarves will just sleep for like 10, 10 years. But it's that's amazing. Like, sleeping beauty gas is wonderful. I love it. Yeah, it was a bit of a, oh, well, crap. Uh, crap. <laughs> <You know? laughs> just wasn't really sure what to do. So I'm afraid I did 
let discretion be the better part of valor on that one in bail. Yeah, but sometimes you can't really do anything against it. Like, no. w- what no. can you do when you have a single dwarf? And how many people are sleeping? Six? Yeah, five, I think, were sleeping. Or no, six, yeah. One was in the bed, and then the rest were sleeping on the floor. So, yeah, what are you going to do? <laughs> it's pretty funny. Oh, and by the way, if they're actually sleeping for like several years, imagine the amount of bad thoughts because they didn't sleep in a bed. So <laughs> for five years, <laughs> they're going to be pissed. <laughs> they're going to be thinking those bad thoughts even after they do wake up for, you know, 25 years later. Remember sleeping on a floor too much. It's, his entire head is just filled with, oh no, I slept on the floor for 25 years. <laughs> well, this is the trick for the ice sheet embarks is um, you don't get wood. So you, you can dig into the caverns, which is always a solid bet, um, and then harvest the trees and hope for the best. But there's no option for bed if you don't have wood, is there? There's no metal bed, is there? Only as a, uh, only as a, an artifact. Yeah. If you get lucky or not lucky, it depends if you actually need them at a bed. Um, you can get one. Uh, remember, I think we once talked about my lead bed problem. Uh, <laughs> lead um, bed. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. My my mayor wanted one, and uh, he actually got one. Um, <clears throat> it's nice. And you would assume that they hate metal bats, but. They they love it. They really sometimes you, you know. Sometimes you want what you want. You know. <laughs> In, hey, it's a pandemic. Indeed. This segment is brought to you by the Ripe Gorge, famous for its sewer brew. When you can't find anything else, you can always find sewer brew at the Ripe Gorge. You know, I was saying here's something that hasn't happened to me much at all in 4704 goblin sieges. I don't have them anymore they they i i get loads of undead but really goblin sieges have kind of ceased to become a thing i don't i don't know if i'm generating worlds that are too old for the goblins and the undead have already wiped them out or what but golly i don't have very many of those anymore and that used to be a real formidable thing i don't think that that's what the issue is because i don't recall having one since the new release a goblin siege and I usually play with 125 or 250 year worlds. So that's, hmm. that's that is curious. Are you uh, getting them? You know, because you mention it, I just realized that I too had very, very little goblin invasions. I don't. Oh yeah, I remember one when I was playing the the. I have a version on my portable um, SD card. I was playing that one, and I got a small goblin siege because I really did a lot of effort pissing off the neighboring fortress of the goblin. Uh, but other than that, not really. No, you know, damn. You know it. It does kind of make some sense, though, because before your sieges were going to be either elves or goblins, pretty much, unless you happen to go to war with a neighboring human civilization or or another dwarven civilization, your uh, your sieges are going to be goblins or elves, and almost always it's going to be goblins for your first one, uh, right, with yeah. uh, 4412. But if 
with with the new release, he added probably if if each of these different kinds of necromancer experiments are an individual type of siege that might happen, and if all the sieges have an equal chance of happening, then you go from a one in one or one in two chance, which is what you had with goblins. It's going to be a goblin or maybe an elf, but most likely it's going to be a goblin to now. If there is 20 different kinds of necromancer experiments that are in your world, then you've got a one in 20 chance of getting hit by goblins. Does that make sense? You wonder. If that's how they do it. Don't know. I'm super, I'm just super curious. Um, and I wonder if that's intended behavior, but I will say I love the necromancer experiments. I think that is one of my favorite um, 4704 things, just because it adds such an, such a fun kind of crazy bit of imagination to the worlds that are already kind of fun and crazy and imaginative. Like I had one that was like Dathron's hand or something like that. And it was basically just this species of creature that were like hand people or something. It was like, it was really, really grim and awesome. I I think that's all. I think that's just true. That is terrific. And I can, I can definitely say that I remember what my best undead experiment was. It was a, um, spider man uh, bleak ghoul and this massive weapon monster actually had six different weapons that he used to slaughter my dwarves with and you know what I'm not even angry about that because it was really cool also you have to remember that spider people are not really like big he's Maybe half the size of a dwarf, but he was terrifying. Just shout out here for Meph's Spider-Man, Spider-People sprite that he used in his set and that also is in Vatlinger's set. Just really want everybody to realize how badass that one is. <laughs> and uh, the, the, the extra powers that some of the, the uh, undead uh, have now are so funny because sometimes nothing really happens you know you get powers like you can freeze people you can explode people you can give people really bad thoughts you i've seen a undead creature that was able to instantly make people depressed uh, <laughs> which is really terrifying but sometimes you have stuff like he he just gestures uh, in the general direction of somebody and the the somebody gets like a nervous <laughs> feeling and goes like Ugh. oh i can see so we need to have dwarven pharmacists who uh, you know produce Xanax <laughs> oh, no. the alchemist. That's the alchemist, right? <laughs> but I don't it's want any in there. I don't want any rappers in my fortress. Thank you. What? <laughs> I don't get the reference. What? What about rappers? Yeah. Oh, okay. N- never, never mind. Um, no, it's <laughs> don't don't you don't you know like these all weird ass SoundCloud rappers with like face tattoos and they go like and they always call themselves something something lil and and they can't they can't rap and all they do is just rap about being badass having sex with women and using drugs and it's very repetitive. 
I think that we have finally seen the generation gap rear its head in Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Oh, you know what? <laughs> I just for- completely forgot that. Um, but, but yeah, um, it, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. So you, you're more of a you're more of an old school rapper, like Einzfei and Curse and whatever other. Now, give me a run DMC German. every time, right? <laughs> those are old school. Those are old school German rappers. Come on, man. Listen, listen, man. I don't listen to rap. I, I, I have no connection to that. Oh, I was able to. I thought I was going to be great flexing my old school German hip. Okay, never mind. I'm scratch sorry. that. Scratch that. I know like two German bands uh, when when it comes to hip hop and rap and. Okay. So, I'm not sure where we how that happened, but... <laughs> Changing tack. Okay. So, I'm going to read the monthly report. Wonderful. I'm leaning in to have a listen. All right. And I rushed it last time, so I'm going to do it a little bit slower this time. Although it is a little bit longer, but here we go. Those of you that have had the audacity to pay attention to the metamorphosis that is Dwarf Fortress have seen and smelled the changes in the air. The main play screen has been entirely redesigned for graphics and mouse support. Not only will the controls be easier to understand, they will be more powerful and swift to strike. Having completed the animal sprites, we have moved on to the larger vegetation. Tall cactus, as well as giant underground mushrooms, have their own growth patterns and visual representation. Here, you will find no sign of weakness, no intention to rest or even slow down. You are witness to a juggernaut unheard of in recent history. The final result will be worth all the work that has been ceaselessly poured into the vessel headed straight for you. Congratulations to the generous. Three toe. So. Yeah, those are always kind of mind-blowing like that i, I do appreciate the dramatic mm-hmm, reading there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> i think it's i think it's done in the spirit of the author so yeah they released uh they released that monthly report if if you take three toes words as the as the main thing it sounds like they are working again on more graphics this time plants and mushrooms and stuff and it sounds like that they may be I'm not going to say done with the UI stuff, but maybe moving away from it again for a bit. Well, as long as the plump helmets are brilliantly rendered, um, that's really the most important part. I'm part of the plump helmet gang. I don't know about you guys, but well, I really like the, the representation that Mef did uh, on the, on the Mef tile set of the, uh, of the tower caps in the caverns, because they do have, a very good uh, feeling of the cross section of a mushroom stem. And so I, since Mef is involved with the new tile set, I think that the representation of, of various fungi will be, uh, will be well done. Hey, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Hey, can I share another observation that I've made from my recent gameplay? Sure. Um, ice, ice. Maybe we talked about this ice, ice, baby. Uh, not a building material, or is it? Um, I mean, I, I I used it in in a magma area, and it was fine. Why does it not melt? <laughs> like I built an ice wall right next to the magma chamber. 
and everything was cool. Yeah, sometimes ice is a bit weird. If you remember a certain video by a certain YouTuber where he went on to embark on an ocean and basically made a boat in the ocean to live on the boat with his dwarves. And I tried that myself and I really loved it. Um, but you have to channel down through the ice whenever the ocean is frozen. Uh, then you have to channel down so you can put a simple post down there so you can build from that post. Yeah, because otherwise you're going to get flooded if it melts. Uh -huh. huh? But on an Arctic biome, it doesn't melt. Yeah. But why doesn't it melt when I bring it inside? That's what I don't know. Like, surely when I'm lugging these blocks in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? The, the weirdest part was... My toad. What are you doing? <laughs> hmm? I said, my toad, Mr. Toady, what are you doing? Like, it, yeah, it, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't <laughs> the ice, when, it, when it's inside, goes really weird. And you can, I've noticed that you are underground and you build things out, out of ice, then it's going to stay forever. But if you're going to build ice, somewhere outside for example make a igloo outside then this thing will melt as soon as spring is coming or whenever your ice is generally melting but the ice under the earth like away from the sun will just stay forever so i don't I, i'm not sure if that's correct it's just an observation that i made but it's weird Don't build with ice, because actually you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, that's kind of fun, though. Maybe I should start making my doors out of ice. Doors. And then I can go full Krug Smash. Can you do doors? You know, my like ice doors? Doors, like in uh, uh, buildings? I don't know. That's what I, was, that's what I was saying. Like, maybe I should start making the doors to my buildings out of ice as well. Take my Krug Smash confidence up to a new level. Mm -hmm. Somehow... You start talking about building with ice, and I think somewhere along the lines of uh, the ice planet Hoth from Empire Strikes Back, and my favorite right. scene from Logan's Run. Yeah, actually, you know, it's I've 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 started watching this American TV series called Alone, or maybe it's Canadian. I don't know some North American TV series, and they take um, survivalists and drop them off someplace remote, lately in Canada. They have 10 things that they bring through. So, you know, I, I'm kind of envisioning this as a single dwarf embark, basically. Well, that's what you had when you had your sleeping dwarfs, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I had my own alone. But, like, the first thing they're doing is, like, got to get food, got to get firewood, got to get calories. And I'm like, this is exactly what you learn in Dwarf Fortress. Build your shelter, get your food situation taken care of. And then you're good. So I'm like, you know, we can learn from the survivalists as we play this mm -hmm. game. Um, they didn't even have to worry about zombies. Like, they had wolverines and stuff. But, I mean, so do we, right? Come on. I've had a wolverine before. <laughs> I've got ice wolf corpses attacking my current Ooh. fort. So, I mean, it's, it's serious business, this. Nasty. Yeah, mine tend to be uh, undead elves for some reason. They always seem to be the ones. They're apparently, you know, it may just be that they're filling this world, but that seems to be the undead that I'm running into with this particular world is undead elves. Hmm. An undead immortal being 
I mean, they were immortal before they were undead, right? I think elves are immortal in Dwarf Fortress. Um, yeah. Um, are yeah. they immortal like like the goblins? Yep. They are. Yeah. I mean, you can still... Yeah. You could have a, mm-hmm. an interesting fort if you, if you did um, necromancer. Do goblins need to eat? They do. Yeah, yeah I think so. Because I know the necromancer experiments don't care. Yeah, I think that that may be a a little different sort of immortal than the goblins and and elves. Those are live immortal, and necromancers are... Well, no, they're not undead, are they? They're just immortal. They're immortal, but they don't really count as undead. They count as aligned with undead. Because they they never went through a death experience, so they're not undead. Mm. More like lich. They just read a book. They're more like a lich. Uh, thing where they found, oh God, we've talked about this. Where they are binding their own soul to their body so that they cannot really die unless you stab them enough, apparently. That's it. Until there's another release of Dwarf Fortress, we have talked about everything there is to talk about in Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> <laughs> it is official. What about snowing human blood? Have we talked about that? Human blood? Yeah. I didn't know that there was a type of blood when it rained blood. It was it's a particular kind of blood. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right now it's snowing human frozen blood. Oh, oh boy. That's nice. Yeah. It's gonna give a lovely red patina to the ice cap that my dwarves have. I wish that would happen in real life. <laughs> that it would snow human blood. Well, yeah. it's not it's only September twenty twenty, my friend. Well, it's almost winter in in the US, so I don't know. Yeah, I was gonna say it's only September, so you still may get that. It is twenty twenty. Yeah, it it hasn't really snowed in like Berlin for years. And we we just get like fake snow. You know, the the snow is falling but it's not really even touching the earth because before that happens it's already like gone. Um, so I would love totally it. Totally different, totally different picture than what I was thinking. Because because here, fake snow is what they do at ski slopes. So I'm picturing oh. <laughs> you know trucks going up and down the streets in Berlin with those big snow guns that are shooting uh, man-made snow out on the streets. So it would be funny, but no, sadly <laughs> not. Um, and making a snowman out of frozen human blood is probably the most oh, metal thing I've oh. heard in a long time. <laughs> And that's the most rolling thing I've heard in a long time here. <laughs> a blood man. Mm. Aren't those uh, creatures boy. in Dwarf Fortress? Blood man? Yeah. Uh, they could yeah. be. Uh, it, it, it sounds like Super Dwarf Fortress E. Pretty sure they're okay. real. There's a couple more things I want to get in the episode, yeah, and we're starting to get towards that time. Yes, so, we are. We are first, we there was a new episode. Episode 26, I believe it was, of the Dwarf Fortress Talk podcast that came out uh, just the other day. And it is uh, has the Caves of Cud uh, programmer on it. I don't know what the Caves of Cud is. Caves of Cud is a roguelike that is uh, quite a successful roguelike. So it's oh. Caves of Cud programmer Brian Bucklew of uh, Freehold Games. All right. It's a really interesting uh, podcast. They actually compare some of the, some of the programming challenges that they've had between uh, Dwarf Fortress and the creators of Caves of Cut and some of the similarities and, and differences between the games. But one of the main things that I got out of that is they actually had Toady mention 2021 or whatever for the release date for Steam. That was oh. 2021 or whatever. 
Huh. So, January. No. <laughs> it's <laughs> well, it's the, going to be caves... some months, <laughs> I think. Some months. Yeah. Well, Brian Bucklew said that they were thinking about, he actually said November 2021, talking about maybe the Caves of Cudsteam release. And um and Toadies just was like, uh, yeah, or whenever in 2021. <laughs> Something along those lines. So... Yeah. December twenty eight, twenty twenty one. So we've got a whole year to wait. Goodness me! They also discussed open source and and the possibilities and the the, the thoughts behind keeping Dwarf Fortress closed and and opening up at least parts of it. But he did seem to really want to open up the world generator once they get it uh, get it finalized here. Well, as much as they're going to finalize it, but talked about. Uh, opening the source to the world generator so that people can play with the world generator uh, in, in its full glory. So that might be kind of cool. Hmm. My one request is once you've generated a world, I want to be able to like retire my fort and then hit fast forward world a hundred years. Yeah. Oh my God. That's yes. what I really, oh my really God, yes. want. That's, that's my one feature request, Mr. Adams. If you're, and- well, listening. and that's the kind of thing that if they do release the world generator open source, I would think that they would be able to to have a mod of the world generator and have that be uh, maybe merged back into the game so that you could use that as a mod. Hmm. You know, if if oh. if if they open that, then, you know, the sky's the limit on the kinds of, of modifications that you could have to the to the world then. So. Oh, here you are, Roland. Um, as far as building things with ice, I built a mason workshop out of ice, and it melted. What? Okay, that's funny. <laughs> it disappeared. Yeah, it just disappeared. It was there, and now it's gone. So I'm like, okay, maybe ice isn't a great thing to build one's mason workshop with. But the blocks seem to be okay. No, no, I can't. I can't make rhyme or reason of it. I'll tell you. <laughs> tell you what. All right. By the time we release this episode, the second episode of our adventure mode playthrough uh, will be released and we will have more of those coming soon. And here's something that I was considering, you know, we started off the bloodline fortress and it was, it went for a bit, but it, it, you know, just one thing or another seems to just make it be a difficult thing to complete. And I think we talked about that. Uh, it was either with Ralph or with Jack a few episodes ago. Uh, the the challenge of a bloodline fortress. So I thought that Tricky. maybe instead of having it be a pass back and forth, we do it like we do the adventure mode, oh, and okay. have us the three of us get together and run the fort. Mm-hmm. We could do an episode of that. That could actually work. Yeah. Um, I mean, because we could edit it down, you know. And um, I mean, it's sort of the kind of thing I was thinking of doing. But we could do something like that, where we pick some ridiculous scenario and try to make it happen or just try to survive and show people how to do it. There's a lot of ways we could take this. Or we could just make it be a let's play and have people watch us run our fortress. We could do that too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my one critique with let's play is that um, sometimes when I've watched them, I'm like, okay, and what's next? Oh boy. It's taken a long time. You know what I mean? Like I think judicious editing is good sometimes. With those That is true. And, and I have, and I am editing down the uh, the let's play for the adventure mode as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I'm editing some of the some of the superfluous t- 
talk and some of the the dead time and <laughs> this last one that we recorded that has all the fighting in it a lot of that's going to be edited out because most of that video is just me bumping you know other other beings in the in the game and waiting for somebody to die namely yeah, i was trying to get myself to die but yeah dwarves to dig something out you know i mean i guess you could use fast dwarf um which what? i fully admit to doing well Often. well that and and for something like that if it's just watching something dig then i can just speed it up and and caden live yeah anyway just i think it's a great idea and yeah. i think it's awesome so sounds fun so we might get do that uh with our fortress that we have got started already maybe after we get another recording of the adventure mode walkthrough in the can maybe we'll do one of those and get that posted up on the youtube channel so Rockin yeah up. the plan is to get more and more content out there on the youtube channel with the three of us either uh individually or as a group out there and uh and and playing some dwarf fortress online just so that uh we can get out there a little bit more hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. all, right. all right anybody else got any subject matter that is demanding to be revealed during this episode um not really i just want to give a huge shout out to spears in this game um because they're great but nothing else no spears the object or spears the youtube creator the singer what of course i'm talking i don't even know a singer called spears Oh, you mean Britney? Oh, okay, never mind. Um, <laughs> and my dwarf fortress just closed itself. Great. Um, oh, look at the error. Look at the error log. Freak. <laughs> oh, I, I, I just live crash. Where even is like the error log? I'm joking. There isn't an error log. Oh, it just crashes the desktop. You, <laughs> you sir, you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, when it with crashes, that, it crashes. we are going to call an end to this episode of Dwarf Fortress Roundtable. Hope everyone has a good period of time until you hear the next one. And until then, ciao. See you later. See ya. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Cullen and Folkround are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.io.